It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the weekly Skinny Podcast, the Potpourri Edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist editor with Rick Broering. We look at subjects locally on the sports scene, nationally, and uh, sometimes we have a rant or two. I don't know if I've got a rant this week, but something might brew before the. I hope it does. I know the listeners do. Yeah, yeah, I I do have one actually. Good because they've come to expect it's traffic related again, which is just believe it or not, driving in this area, man, this is brutal, brutal. All right, we got a lot to get to, and uh, yes, the 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 phrase you know, if you meet a jerk, maybe he was a jerk. If you run into everyone and they're a jerk, maybe you're the jerk. Are yeah. you starting to maybe think that you on the roads, you might be the problem? Well, or? I'm just going to tell you this. I, I had to come down down to the studio to tape a segment last night for TV, and then I had to go up to Kenwood to tape a podcast with our friend Tony Pike. I left here at 3.35. I got up there at 4.35. A 10-mile drive, 10-mile drive took me one hour. The construction zone, I, and I, I, you go through it, and I still don't understand. Here's the best part. You go to that construction zone that they're doing, there's no wreck or anything. It's just slow traffic and then all of a sudden you you pop out at about at about stewart and everybody's going it's almost like they all disappeared they all like fell into a black hole where did they all go it's magic it's incredible i'll get to that though at the end of this all right we got a lot to get to start us off what a friday night it was for the cincinnati yes. bearcats the football bearcats pulled off a 27 24 upset over 18th ranked ucf at nippert stadium ending a 13 game skid against ranked opponents dating back to 2009 the basketball team then held Bearcat Madness in front of about 8,000 fans at Fifth Third Arena. My question for you is, did Friday's win change your opinion about UC's football team? No, because I, the Marshall game did. The Marshall game was the one to me where I went, okay, this team's got a chance to be pretty doggone good after all. I think the problem was this. Look, there was that great hope that they were going to go to Ohio State and give them a game, right? And they did for a quarter or so. And now, as you've seen the season evolve, I think we all have woke, awoke, all except for Ohio State fans who, who always believe their team is great. We have all around the country have, have awakened to the fact that, damn, Ohio State's really good. In fact, they might just be the best team in the country when all is said and done. So I think if you put that to the side, and honestly, UC might have played them as tough as anybody, to be honest with you. Um what they did, you know, then they had the bad first quarter against Miami. The last three quarters, they dominated Miami. They dominated Marshall. Um, you know, they held this team to, to under 30 points for the first time in 31 games. Um, so, no, it didn't. No, it, it, it increased, I think, my opinion after the Marshall game of, I think this team has a chance to have a really, really good season. And now it's got a, it's got a chance to maybe play in a New Year's, New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah, and we were talking about, you know, before the season, there were kind of those high expectations that maybe they could repeat the same record they had last year. Um, And then, you know, after really probably the Ohio State game and then even the Miami game, we saw some of the issues reoccur with the offensive line. They got off that slow start. And we were saying, eh, it's probably not likely this team is going to be able to put up another spectacular season, which, I mean, when you talk about UC's football history, there's not a lot of those no. One, two, three loss right. type season. So anytime you do that, it's a spectacular season. Um, I don't know that this game changed my opinion, but you, maybe you phrased it better, that it strengthened the opinion that I was sort of starting to have about this UC team. I will say with Luke Fickle and probably a lot of a lot of people around here would probably say I'm late to the party on this, but it solidified to me that this is the guy that is absolutely his staff, what they've done this season. It feels like almost every game they go out, they feel the other team out. They may take some punches. I mean, against Marshall, they pretty much dominated right. from the start. But every other game, it feels like they've sort of been on their heels a little bit to start. The other team has given them some trouble with pass rush. Uh, maybe they haven't moved the ball well. And then 
halftime hits and it's a completely different team that you see out there. I thought UCF was dominating at times during the first they half. Were, they ran 58 and, plays. And they just weren't able to score. And they weren't. They, but I guess credit to UC's defense, right? Bend it, no break. Well, see, I thought it was going to get ugly when yeah. maybe UCF would quit turning the ball over or take advantage of some of those opportunities. But in the second half, UC dominated the game. They were the aggressor. They I mean, took it to them. I mean, UCF scored that touchdown late to make it 27. Now, granted, they had a shot in theory, to maybe pull out the win, but I, I never felt once UC got that that lead that they were going to give it up. Yeah, and really UC probably gave them more of a chance right, there with right, a couple of the, right. the things they did on offense. But I, I just feel like what this staff has done in terms of the adjustments they've made in-game... Um, well, I mean, I think the, the adjustments with that offensive impressed. line, that offensive line in the first quarter, I remember I, I texted Tony Pike, uh, who does sideline for UC, I said, this offensive line sucks. Yeah, it's not good. And he responded back, he goes, it's not good. And all of a sudden, now it doesn't seem to be so much of an issue any longer. What, you know, well, I, I think that's a credit to the coaches for kind of figuring things out. I think they put a lot of eggs in the James Hudson basket. It didn't work out. And then suddenly they were like, ooh, boy, now where are we going to go with this? You can't have that as a plan. But whatever they've done since then, man, that has been very, very good. Yeah, it seems like they continue to struggle with that offensive line in, in games. But they find a way. They find the other team's right. weakness or whatever they need to do scheme-wise to take advantage of what the other team's given them. And they've done a great job of doing it. And that. defensively, they're personal. Smells really good. They're, yeah, they're, defensively, they're, they're very, very good. I mean, they've got honestly, some they, talented they, dudes on offense, they, too. They, they really played a pretty good defensive game at Ohio State. They really did. I know you can look at the final score and some of the final yardage numbers. They were out there the entire game. Yeah, I mean, the offense did nothing in that game. So I, I think this defense is good enough to continue to carry them. I mean, the Houston game, which we'll get to in a little bit when we get to our lines, but just to touch on it for a second, it, it is a bit of a trap because human nature is going to say there's a letdown coming. You're going on the road. Houston now, after they had all the issue with their quarterback and wide receiver, saying we're going to sit out the year. And, um, you know, maybe that was a, a godsend. I mean, they actually had a pretty good win this past weekend at North Texas. You get through that game, man. I'm having a hard time finding another loss until you get to Memphis at the very end. And that, that it's funny. They could play Memphis in back to back weeks. They could play them then because they're in different divisions and then play the next week for the AAC championship. And, Maybe winner take all. Winner goes to a New Year's Six bowl game. Well, that's what I'm saying. We're back. At, I'm back to the position where I'm thinking this team could pretty much do what last year's yeah. team did. They could maybe only have one, possibly two losses. If yeah, they lose I mean, to U- Memphis. USF would 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 have been the other one. They're not any good. It's and, not going to happen. Right? No. Yeah, I mean, gonna UConn st- still had Tulsa, still ahead. East Carolina. None of those. This game and the Memphis game are the only two I can look at and go. All right, bring your big bring your big boy shoes. Those are the two big boy games, and and uh, I have no reason to think they can't win either one. This is. Or both, rather. This is a huge win for UC. And UCF has dominated that conference. They've dominated this level of football. Right. They've, they've really, no one has given them much of a game when it comes to those sort of fringe teams that are outside the, the big five schools. And so this is a huge win. It's taking nothing away from that. Their quarterback situation is really bad, though. That, yes. The, the freshman they have that's, that's um, playing this year just isn't ready for those types of games. And, and I think he more than anything, cost them that game. And, and UC's the pick six, the pick six was, all types pick of six was a gift. You, you, you can't he, guy that. made a nice play to jump the route, but, but you, you can't, can't have that. He, no, not in that, that type of game. No, exactly. Um, so I, I do think UCF probably isn't as good as people were thinking. They're not quite the same team they've been the last few years. But this win for UC says a, a lot, in my opinion. I do, yeah. and, and I don't see, if you're a UC fan, how that's not one of the best nights oh, I, absolutely. In, in athletics history at sold, the school since you've been Sold the following. joint out. Win the football game when you sold the joint out. Roll it into into midnight madness, and then you've got the football team coming out to a roar right. at midnight right. madness. You've got the two coaching staffs, Fickle and Brandon, linking up to make, get form this camaraderie. That let's be frank, Mick Cronin always held contempt for the basketball or the, for football. the football program, and rightfully so. They were getting a lot of the resources that he should have probably been getting when he was doing all the winning. 
But now you've got two guys that are working um, together and, and in got, cohesion. Got, got a feeling they won't be working together for long. You think? <laughs> I, I can't imagine. If Luke Fickle takes his team to a New Year's Day Bowl. Oh, you're saying because Fickle's going to be gone. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think yeah. that's, I think everyone you just, is aware I mean, you of that. To, yeah, I think you have to just steal yourself for that fact. Sure. But it, it's it's got to be a pretty exciting time to be a Absolutely. UC fan. No question. And let's keep it going with the UC talk because NKU transfer Chris Vogt won his waiver claim with the NCAA and will be eligible to play for Cincinnati's basketball team immediately this season. Vogt played in all 35 games last season for the Norris, averaging 4.5 points, 3.7 rebounds, and 1.2 blocks per game as a 7-foot center. What impact do you think Chris Vogt will have for UC in the AAC? Um, if you want to give me those numbers for him right now, I'd sign up for it. The numbers you just you just gave me from last year. I think I'd sign up for it right now. I mean, that sounds about... He's going to play more minutes for UC, believe it or not, than he ever did at NKU because he was playing did, behind you, Drew McDonald. You saw him more than I did in person. I only saw him a couple times and saw him a couple times on, on TV, too, um, and some highlight stuff. And and he certainly developed from from last year to, well, two years ago to this, to this past season. Um, didn't you think, though, that the year off was going to help him? Or am I wrong in thinking that? No, it definitely was. And yeah. I thought he kind of needed Embraced that. that, yeah. At the same time... He's UC's best option at center this going into this year. Now their best option is probably playing a small ball lineup. If, if it yeah, but, but I think there's times where you need need the a legit a, 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 center. Yeah, you, you need can't a legit play Trey Scott protector. At center Correct. the whole season. Yes, um, and that's what I'm saying. You give me those numbers, I think I'll take them right now. Yeah, you don't, you don't need him to score. You need him to protect the rim and rebound the ball. Yeah, I think I think you'd need a, a little bit more than 3.7 rebounds. Based okay, on I mean, I'll give you I that. He'll play. Well, yeah, depending on the minutes he plays. Oh, yeah, yeah, but. I get what you're saying. I mean, you're not going to play through him on offense. You're no. going to ask him to be a catch-and-dunk guy, a tip-in guy, an offensive rebound type of guy. He showed a lot at NKU last year. I was really excited about, you know, not that Drew McDonald was going to be leaving, but the fact that Chris Vogt would have more opportunities to step up, and we'd get to see him flourish at the Horizon it, League level. His level of athleticism, is it good enough to keep up in the AAC? The athleticism doesn't concern That's him. what I thought. He okay. can move, he can jump, um, he can finish above the rim and block shots. That doesn't concern me, but he was... I mean, he was a developmental guy when he got to yes. KU, and he was just coming along to the point that we thought he could contribute at a, in a pretty significant way in the Horizon League, potentially this season. Um, now he's making another jump up to the AAC. Now, the AAC isn't the ACC or the SEC, um, but it's, it's a good Yeah, conference. I think that's the other part, too, is you're not going to play in a league with, with five-star big men. No, you're not. And and it's not, it's not as... as talented of guys so I think you can get away more so with a guy like Chris Vogt in the AAC but um, it's going to be interesting to see how much he contributes I think he is their best option I think he will be their starter at the five and play a lot this year I just don't think if you're expecting him to be like a 10 and 6 guy but, I don't think he's going to be yeah there. but that's what I'm saying I don't think you need you don't need anything offensively for him other than to just pick up the trash I mean honestly you need him to rebound and block shots yeah, and I, again, I, and, I really and, and like be, what he was. And literally be a rim protector that says, hey, if you come down the lane, I'm here. You're not going to the rim. He's come a long way in terms of his feel and, and basketball IQ and all that. He he didn't know really what he was doing when he got to NKU. And Coach Morris and Coach Brandon did a really good job developing him at NKU. They've been able to continue that process since he's gotten to UC. So he's really comfortable with this staff. He's the one guy at UC who's fully comfortable with the system they're playing right, right now. Right. It's new to everyone else except for him. So that's one big advantage he's going to have. Yeah, and obviously, you know, John, he wants to transfer there. John took him on as a transfer. I mean, if John didn't want him, he could have said, no, you're not coming here, right? Yeah. I mean, so obviously he wanted Brandon him. Hand chose him. Yeah, I right. Mean, and he's been fight he was really, um, you know, concerned about whether or not they would get this waiver. He felt they needed this waiver. So, um Yeah, I, I just go back to either way. I mean, good for them for this year. I, I, I just I had thought that, 
it was going to be a win-win that Chris was going to be able to sit out, use that year to develop a little bit more, and then be ready to go. But but, but then you wonder, do you start recruiting him over? Right, yeah, right. Keeping around right, for that, three that, more that, years, do you expect to have and you have a lot of and, and obviously you have a lot of good pieces in place already. So this just adds another piece to it. I would agree. All right, let's switch gears here to the Bengals. If Yay! We have to. Uh, Andy Dalton led the Bengals on two late touchdown drives to tie the Cardinals 23-23 with two minutes to go on Sunday. But Arizona rookie quarterback Kyler Murray drove the card 65 yards to set up a game-winning 32-yard field goal by Zane Gonzalez to beat the Bengals 26-23 at Paul Brown Stadium. Sunday's loss to the Cardinals means what for the Bengals, Skinny? Where do you find a win? I mean, that's what it means. Where do you now find it a win? It becomes the Dolphins at this point, right? Is there another team that you honestly the Jets. think they're better than? The Jets. Do you think they're better than the Jets? I don't know if I think they're better than the Jets. But they but, could theoretically beat Yeah, them. I mean, uh, and they could theoretically beat Jacksonville at home, too, next week. I don't know about that. I think know, theoret- now again, theoretically, I don't... The thing is, if you look at the rest of your Vegas set... If Vegas set a uh, set a line on every game the, remaining, the remainder of the season, I think they'd be favored in two games. The Jets at home. And at Miami, because Miami is just, honestly, the Bengals are bad. Miami is in, on a different level. They're on a different planet of bad. They, they're not even competitive. At least the Bengals, this is not moral victory time. At least they've been competitive in three of the five games. I mean, they've had a legitimate chance to win three Yay. of the five games. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's right. And the thing is, they've been playing terrible teams. No, that's, the hell. Steelers I, 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 I'm, are I'm, terrible. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I was saying, I'm, I'm coming around on Frisco. I don't think Frisco's No, terrible. Frisco's good. Yeah. You were right about them. I was wrong on them. And I was wrong about the Seahawks, too. The Seahawks are The Seahawks still have team. issues, man. They just... They're not good, but they're... Russell decent. Wilson's just ridiculous. He's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like watching backyard football when, when the other team doesn't get to count to three Mississippi. They just... He just takes a snap and then runs around like a chicken with his head chopped off and you work your way open somewhere down the field and yell, throw it to me, throw it to me. And that's what he does. It's crazy how accurate he is that's, in those situations. That's the thing. And doesn't I, doesn't turn it over. Yeah. That's the crazy part. No, I, I mean, honestly, what it means to me is I, I wrote the column before that game even because I even wrote, I think my lead was something along the lines of while the Bengals may, may be talented enough to beat Arizona, it's becoming quite apparent after the Monday night game they're not talented enough to win many games and it's time for them to embrace the rebuild. Well, after this, if you don't embrace it now, if you don't start looking and, and taking offers from other teams for any player on your roster, any single player, if the Chicago Bears decide Chase Daniel ain't good enough, but we got a lot of good parts, we'll give you a first rounder for Andy Dalton. Do it. No one's going a first rounder for Andy. Well, whatever. Maybe second you know, rounder. Okay, whatever. Second yeah. Rounder if, if it's a, if it's a value, yeah, something valuable. It, I, I'm telling. You, if you're not actively seeking to trade AJ Green for for first round picks, if some of the story rumors are out there that are, that teams are offering. You're stupid. Yep. I, I, they will, what it'll tell me is, come October 29th, if you don't have A.J. Green signed to a contract extension, which I don't think they should do either because I think that's just throwing money where you don't need to throw it at a 32-year-old wide receiver who's injury prone, or you've traded A.J. Green, then you've done a disservice to your organization and to your fan base. You need to, by October 29th, have a general manager in place. And if that means you give that title to Duke Tobin and the buck stops at him, great. Do it. And then that general manager better go out and actively seek trades to start turning this roster over. Period. End of story. Anything less than that, you have done your fan base a disservice, and they're already checking out on you. And if you don't do something to win them back, they're checked out for a while, man. Those stands looked ugly Ugly. on Sunday. What do you think the chances are of the former, them giving Duke Tobin or another person a Not good. Me neither. Not good. I do think that they will actively seek a couple of trades, though. I really believe that. You have to. And, and we're, we're trying. We're efforting, actually, those of us that cover the Bengals on a daily basis, we're efforting to talk to Duke Tobin to ask some of these questions because I think that the fan base deserves the answers. I, I don't need to tell you that, that I'm shopping A.J. Green to the Patriots or the Saints, but just that, hey, yeah, we are listening to trade offers for anybody on our roster. 
Yeah, and we've seen um, some reports come out there that other guys could potentially be in. The I think mix. anybody could be. Um, who who do you think has the most value from a, a other another team's perspective? I, I think I think AJ Green. I mean, look at look at the Niners, and and I think ESPN's Bill Barnwell did a nice piece. He, he had ten possible trade pieces, and actually put Billy Price in there too. Believe it or not, and not just Bengals. This was NFL wide. He had AJ Green going to the 49ers for a first round pick, and if you look at that San Francisco team. They're really good. They're really good on defense. Garoppolo, all he knows how to do is win at quarterback. He may not be the greatest in the world, but he's 14-2 and two as a starter. They got a three-headed monster at running back that's really good. They got George Kittle, who's arguably now ascended to, what, one of the top three tight ends probably in the NFL. Yeah. They don't have a star wide receiver. They've yeah. got some guys. They just don't have a go-to guy. Yeah, right. They don't have that, that, that guy. And if you all of a sudden look up here in the Niners, you go, man, if we can add this piece... And, and to what we already have and, and just give up a first-rounder for next year. We're already in a position where our roster's loaded. Let's do it. And if I'm the Bengals, if there's if somebody's going to offer you a first-rounder for that guy, if you don't do it, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're thinking if you don't, right? Well, if there's a second-round package that maybe includes a second and a seventh or Whatever. a second and another player, I'm doing it for that, I think. Because not a lot of teams in the NFL are trading first-round picks the unless is, though, they're getting quarterbacks. Here's, here, well, AJ Green though is a special talent. I a, agree. B he's 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 not a diva in any stretch. So you're not getting all of a sudden a guy that's going to come in and upset your locker room. He's just going to go but, about his business. As you pointed out, he's a 32 year old receiver with Correct. injury history. Correct. But if you're just doing him as a rent a player for this year because he's a free agent at the end of the year, I still think you do it. I, I think if I'm a team and, and this is the guy that I think puts me over the hump to get me in the NFC Championship game in Super Bowl or in the case of New England, it basically solidifies <laughs> your your already stacked roster. And they've done, they're a team that's done that stuff before. New England doesn't mind giving up those picks to get get guys in the short term, and then they they probably figure, well, we'll sign him for a couple more years. It'll work itself out. I mean, they were going to do something with AB, right? Yep. I mean, a- AJ's the obvious one. He has value. I think everyone agrees with that, and it's been talked about a lot. Are there any other of those veteran guys I, that you think I, have I, value? I, I think Andy does. If it's a team that that let's face it, you got a bunch of quarterbacks out. I, I, I go to the Bears. Look, people can think what you want about Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton is a starting level quarterback in this league. I think yeah. I don't think anybody He's would disagree. Top half with, of the league, yeah, okay, with a good team around him. Chase Daniel is not. Chase Daniel is is just a just a guy. So if you're the Bears and you're in that division where you better not get too far behind because all those teams are are playing. Well, I shouldn't say they're playing pretty well. The records are all pretty good. Green Bay's starting to maybe assert itself as the best team in that division. And, and you say, listen, Mitch is going to miss X number of times. We need a starter for now. If you're the Bengals and they come to you and say, we're interested in your guy, I'm still holding out because I'll keep him if I have to keep him, but I think he could give you some value too. And it may not just be that team. Maybe another maybe another team that's playoff ready gets a quarterback hurt between now and the trade deadline. All I right. think you have to look at it. I really do. Because let's face this. What difference does it make for the Bengals? It, it, that's it. And, and you're eventually... Andy only has probably one more year in this organization at the most anyway. His contract's up after next year. So you're already going to start having to look for the next quarterback. And, because let's face and it, it. And it may not be Ryan Finley or Jake Dolagal. It may come in the draft. Maybe you have to go into free agency next year and find somebody. I, I don't know. I just know that you're, you're, you're moving on from Andy Dalton in another year, right or wrong. It was already a slim chance that Zach Taylor was going to feel like Andy Dalton was his guy. Right. The way this thing has gotten off to this start. There's no chance he's going to be his guy going forward. No. He's definitely going to want to bring in his own quarterback. Sure. So, yeah, and it's, it's one year at the and, and the other point is you're, you're just not going to throw a lot of money at Andy at that point either. I, I don't blame them for that. I Again, I I think Andy is, 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 has been slammed by too many people who just don't get it. Um, and it's an easy scapegoat to always point the finger at the quarterback. But you also have to weigh where, where are you at here in the macro. And the macro is... 
This team needs to rebuild. And so let's start the process now. If not now, when? When? And, and, and there needs to be so many philosophical changes with things they do as far as free agents go and the way they attack free agency. But I don't hold out great hope that they're going to do it because they've never done it. And that's the issue. Dude, we're going on 30 freaking years. Of the same stuff. 30. That's long enough. And the thing is, the, the the draft since the Andy Dalton AJ Green draft where they went one two for the Bengals um, since the 2012 draft they've drafted one guy who's gone to a Pro Bowl one guy that's Tyler Eifert and so you may say well doesn't mean they didn't draft quality players no I could point to probably more whiffs since then so the thing I got to ask myself is who's responsible for that was that Marvin's drafts did Duke Tobin get more control at that point. Is Mike still pulling the strings at some point of, of the that that's the part that's so frustrating for all of us is you start to look around and go, okay, all I know is to Marvin's credit, he built things to a certain level. And yeah, it was time for a coaching change. I don't think anybody, I, I'm not even going to disagree with that part of it. it. It was it was time. But did the last couple of years where Marvin didn't want John Ross, was, was he over overruled for that selection? And suddenly now we're looking certainly seemed like it. We're certainly looking at some draft picks now over the last three years that aren't panning out at all. I mean, Drew Sample can't get on the field. Jermaine Pratt can't get on the field. You cut your third round pick last year, the linebacker. Jesse Bates has regressed as a safety. Um, it makes me wonder who's responsible for this. And I think I think you, the fans, deserve that answer to know who's responsible and how are they going to fix it. Uh, spin zone, though, for the Bengals. Tyler Eifert did get hurt in that Pro Bowl, so maybe they're intentionally not that's, trying to get any of their draft it. picks that, into the Pro that, Bowl. That's a good call. There that's go. actually not a bad that's point. That's a good call. Um, while we're on the topic of some of those individual guys, let me ask you about Giovanni Bernard. He had two carries for 10 yards, three targets and three catches for 16 yards. The Bengals signed him to a two-year, $10.3 million extension before the season started. Do you question the Bengals' plan for Giovanni Bernard at this point? Because it seems like with what they're trying to do with no offensive line and the short, quick passing game and the screens he'd and all that, perfect for he'd it. be the guy most equipped I, to do that. I said this at the time they signed him. Um, this All this was was a preemptive strike against Joe Mixon for next year. This was basically if Joe Mixon decided with one year left on his contract to pull a Le'Veon Bell – to pull a, a Melvin Gordon, to pull what some of these running backs are starting to do and say, well, I'm just going to hold out unless you extend me. This was them saying, we've got a guy. We've extended him for two more years. This is our guy. Now, that said, he is on your roster. He is healthy. He has proven to be a quality player in this league. Not a top-line guy, but a quality player in this league. I think I'd find a way to use him. Wouldn't you? Well, the thing is, and especially fairly effective. Well, and, and especially now where you're you're you're, you're Third and fourth wide receivers are undrafted free agents. And God love them for, you know, they've overachieved to make a team on an NFL roster and to, to you know, make a catch or two. But I, I signed this guy for some money. I think I'm going to find a way to play him and mix him together before I'm playing some, some undrafted rookie free agent just because I want to play a three wide receiver package all the time. I'll make Gio my third wide receiver. Why I'll not? make Joe my third. I'll put Joe out there and let Gio be the, be the, be the blocker because he's a better blocker and blitz pickup than Joe will ever be. Why not? You, but you got to get him more. In fact, I'm writing about this. You got to get him more snaps. You have got to. When you start taking weapons away, you have to start looking. Going, all right, what are what are, what are, what are my quality guys on offense? And right now, if I had to rank them, I would say Tyler Boyd's probably my best. Joe's probably number two. And honestly, Giovanni Bernard's probably number three. And yet, I can't get him on the field. Come on now. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, and that's been one of the things that has kind of perplexed me as I've been watching it. From the coaching staff's perspective, we've we've let them slide on a lot of things. That's one thing that has stood out to me. The other one, though, aside from those two late touchdowns, 
ineffectiveness in the red zone was once again a killer yeah. for the Bengals on Sunday. The team is now 4 for 14 in the red zone through five games. Last year, the Bengals scored at a 71% clip in the red zone, which ranked third in the NFL. What do you think the issue is with the Bengals' red zone? Could this I, potentially be partly on the coaching staff and not just the offensive line stinks? No, I, I think some of this is just on, on everybody. I mean, Andy missed the throw to Tyler Eifert on Sunday, right? I mean, he wide, wide open, open, and he throws it behind him. Um, you go to the Pittsburgh game, Tyler Eifert, it was a tough catch, but got to make that catch in the corner of the end zone early. Andy threw it up, and Tyler's got to go get that. That's what he, that's what he does. That's what he is. He goes and get, makes those plays. Um, the Seattle game, you remember the one Andy had the ball slip out of his hand in the red. They've had some really bad luck. I think some of it, too, is A.J. Green is a red zone weapon. Um, John Ross last year was, a, was actually a red zone weapon. Um, and I think some of it, too, is probably some, so a mix of play calling, too. I think there's that. I mean, you go to the Pittsburgh game after the fumble recovery. Um, I think, what, at the 15-yard line, they went pass, pass, pass. How about you run the ball a little bit more down there? Um, you know, they had one on, on Sunday. They, they ran the ball on, on a second down and got only a yard. Some of it just not executing there. So I don't think it's play calling. I don't. Um, I think it's just simply execution. And I know that's that sounds simplistic, but, I mean, Andy's got to make that throw. I mean, he's wide open. It's a, it's a 10-yard throw. It's a four-yard completion, but it's a, probably a 10-yard throw where he throws it from. Can't throw it that, that far behind him. Tyler Eifert is a former Pro Bowl player. He needs to make that catch, and I think that I think that's a big part of it. It seems like when you look at all of them in a vacuum, each individual screw up in the red zone. It's like well, there's an easy way to look at it and be like, "Well, this that's is what I happened," did, right, or right. "This is what what happened," and they're all explainable. But then when you start piling them up, I mean, that's the Bengals for the last thirty years. You mm-hmm. know, it's the Marvin Lewis era, yeah, right. it's the Dave Shula era, it's all it's the Bruce Cosler era. They all have those same things where it's like, yeah, just constant mistakes when it matters most. And that, that has bothered me about this team to start the season. I mean, even some penalties in, right. in moments right. like that right. where you just can't have them. I don't understand why that continues to happen. The, the personnel sucks. The offensive line is as bad as I've ever seen at the NFL level. It makes me wish Rod Jones was back on the team. <laughs> but some of these things are not just the offensive line, and it no, makes right. me wonder a little bit about this coaching staff at times. No, I mean, you can argue there's a red zone package, a good red zone package of plays. They seem to think that they like their red zone package. I, but I, I, I need to see it. And again, I get it when you're backed up against the goal line and the, the defense doesn't have as much room together, it puts a whole lot more pressure on the offensive line. So again, it probably does come back to personnel and the offensive line inability to protect anything. And again, the execution part of it. I mean, all yeah. you're asking Dalton to do is throw a short pass to Tyler Eifert. It shouldn't be hard. And that's where like people are, you know, they get, get all up in arms when they see that. And it's, you got to get rid of Andy Dalton. He's the issue again. But we know what Andy Dalton is. He plays like this when he sees a lot of pressure, when he can't build confidence, when he can't find rhythm. When you give him some protection and some weapons and you give him some opportunities, he finds a rhythm and he plays at a pretty high level. But he needs the guys around him. He can't raise the level no. of the guys around him. And he's always been that I'll way. give you that. All right, Skinny, uh, what, are, what are our records in the betting lines? We- All right, last week I went 5-7, and seven, so back-to-back sub-500 weeks for me. I'm 39-34 and 34 overall, so still showing a slight profit margin of 1.6 units. It's not a big one, but it's at least a profit That's margin. That's pretty impressive math. All right, you like that? And then you were 6-6 six and six last week. You're 41-32 and 32 overall, so you have a profit margin of... 5.8 units. That's pretty good. Yeah, but it hasn't been good the last two weeks. We got to get no. back on our winning ways. We were hot. But you're, not, to you're, start. Not, you're, you're not peeling all your money off the bankroll, though. That's the not, good thing. Not yet. But we'll start Saturday at noon. Miami of Ohio is at Western Michigan. The total in that game is 55 and a half. Western Michigan is 13 and a half point favorites. What's Western Michigan's nickname? Do you the know? Broncos. Okay, I'm glad for that. You know, yes, that. sir. Xavier's got a player from Western Michigan, right? 
Yes, they do. Bryce Moore and Matt Stainbrook was also from there. That's true. I know not not one thing about any football player from Western Michigan. So Nor do I. I'm flying blind on this one other than I have faith in the Red Hawks. I had them against Buffalo and they came through for me. I will take in this one. I'm going to take Miami. I'm going to go with the outright Miami victory. I, I, oh, wow. I, I'm going to go Miami 27, Western Michigan 24. So Miami and the under is my play in that game. All right, I I disagree. You want to go seventy-two? seventy-two Nothing. Western Michigan. No, I'm. I think it's going to be. Here comes the irrational hate for Miami people. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that, but I do think Western Michigan just covers the spread. Wins this one by two touchdowns. 31-17. I don't know where they get the fifty-five and a half points from for these two offenses. Yeah, I'll be honest. So you got Western Michigan in the under. We're both going Western Michigian in the under. All right, I like it. I thought you went Miami in the. I end. went Miami in the end. I'm sorry, yeah, I didn't. I went Miami with an outright victory. I went. I went Miami on the money line. How about that? What do you think the money line would be? It's probably going to be about decent, a what plus six hundred. Yeah, I'll take plus that. Plus five hundred. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, on Saturday at three thirty, we've got Cincinnati at Houston. The Bearcats coming off that big victory over UCF are favored by seven and the hook. The total of that game is fifty four. Yeah, I that hook bugs me. Um, I think UC gets the outright win. I do think it'll be a struggle just because of the coming off the emotion of Central Central Florida. Um, I'll go Bearcats 27-23. So I've got UC and the under. I uh, disagree with you on this one because I think that seven and a half is there for a sucker's bet. I think could be. I think with this coaching staff, the way they've shown to be able to get these guys focused and motivated, I don't think you have to worry about the letdown. I think the Bearcats are feeding off the confidence this week. They win 35-21, so that's UC and the over. Over, okay, that one. there you go. Then Saturday at 7.30, we've got Arkansas at Kentucky. The Wildcats are the favorites in this one, six and a half. The total is 53 and a half. Arkansas is weird. They lost to San Jose State um, two weeks ago. Last week, played Texas A&M really tough. I don't think A&M's great. No. There's a big level of difference between San Jose State and A&M. There certainly is. Um, it's hard to have faith in Kentucky. The bye week helped you get Sawyer Smith back at least somewhat. Um, I don't see any way this game gets to the 53 and a half total. I don't either. I'm going to go UK... 23-17, so Arkansas covers and it stays under, but Kentucky gets the outright win. I'm with you on Arkansas on the under. I think that's the right play here. I'm going to go UK 27, Arkansas 24. I think it'll be a close game. I don't see how that total got to 53.5. They must know something that we don't about these two teams, uh, maybe their history or something, but it, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think the under is the play I'll definitely be making on my own. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. The under looks like a slam dunk to me. All yeah. right. All right, Thursday night, we're switching to NFL lines now. we got the Thursday night game in primetime. Daniel Jones! Are at the Patriots. The Patriots are giving 16 and a half at home. And uh, the total in that game is 42. Giants have no Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones has kind of come back down to earth pretty quickly. Um, I think their tight end, I think Ingram's banged up. They're, they're just, they're a mess. New England at home, Boat races people as it is with all the things the Giants got going but on. This is the same line that they had against the Dolphins, is it not? Yeah, but I, I, they weren't at home for the Dolphins game, if I'm not mistaken. I think that one was at Miami. I think you're right. I'm going to go. I'm going Patriots 35. I can't do seven. I'll go 38-7 New England. New England with a, with an easy win and an easy cover, and it goes over the total. New England almost goes over by itself. New, New, Giants defense is trash. It is awful. 
Um, I agree with you about the Pats in the over. I'm going 31-14 Pats. Ooh, um, just barely. I'm mad at them still because they cost me um, that parlay two weeks ago when they couldn't cover against uh, – who were, who were they? Who were they only beat by seven Who's that? a few weeks New ago? New England? Yeah, someone terrible. It was, was someone it the terrible. Dolphins? No. Dolphin, it wasn't the Dolphins. I'm drawing a complete blank now. It nah, doesn't matter. Well. Screw it. They still won. Yeah. Moving on to Sunday at 1 o'clock, we've got the Bengals at the Ravens. The Ravens are favored by 11.5. The total in that game is 48. Uh, as goofy as it sounds, the Bengals are going to cover the number because I, I just the Ravens are coming off that Steeler game, and that's always a physical, tough, emotion, get emotional game. Um, but the Ravens are still going to win, so don't 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 confuse with me with the Bengals covering and, and, and them winning the game. I'll go Baltimore 24-13, so the Bengals cover with the hook. You twenty four thirteen. Yeah, about Baltimore. So I got Bengals and the under. Bengals and the under. I like the Ravens to win the game, but I'm with you. The Bengals will cover this. That that eleven and a half is just too much. I'm going to say twenty eight seventeen is my total. So the Ravens win by eleven. So that's Bengals and, both, and, and the, the under. under. Yep. So we both got the same thing there. All right. Yep. And then moving on to the eight twenty Sunday night game, we've got Steelers at the Chargers. The Chargers are favored by seven. They're coming off a bad loss to the Broncos. Terrible loss. Got down 17 nothing and never really worked their way back into the game. And a total on that one is only 41. I think this hits the over. I don't. I, I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Chargers. I think the Steelers are trash, too. Chargers 23-13. So I'm going to go Chargers in the under. I like the Steelers and the over, so we are on the exact opposite right, pages so, so here. I'm got? going Chargers 24, Steelers 21. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with the Chargers. Monday night, 8-15, we've got the Lions at the Packers. The Packers coming off a big win. They're favored by four in this game. The total in that game is 47. Why do I feel like I'm getting suckered there? It seems that way. I don't understand this line. All right, I'm just going to go with the with the – Flat out protection. Green Bay, 34-17. Green Bay in the over for me. I'm going Green Bay, 34, Detroit, 27. So I don't like them quite as much as you, but I still think they're going to cover the four. The other thing I can't understand about this line, I mean, I don't understand why Green Bay is only favored by four, but Vegas has continuously been higher on the Lions than I have. What I can't understand is the 47 total here. Yeah, because I, both I, of these teams score, and neither one of them can defend it. Well, Green Bay's defense is pretty good. Now, they got they got torched a little bit by Dallas, but that was after they got up by a significant amount. Um, I they, mean, when has Green Bay's defense ever been better. reliable yeah, to get they, No, it's, it's better. It's, it's much better. Um, yeah, I just the, the four makes me cringe because it just looks too easy. Looks way too easy. But I'm going to bet it I'm anyway. Gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm with you. I got to take it. I'm with you. All right. There's our bets for the week. We'll see if we can stay above 500 and get some winners for you fine folks. Or, you know, fade us and yeah. whatever. Whatever. Let's move on to some national storylines. And the story of this stays a little bit relevant to the AFC North, at least here, because Cleveland smacked Baltimore 40-25 two weeks ago. But last week, the Browns were embarrassed 31-3 by the 49ers to drop to 2-3 on the year with the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Broncos, and the Bills up next on their schedule. So, I mean, you got the Broncos, but other than that, it's not easy over these next few games. Who is the best team in the AFC North? That's a good question. Um I know two teams that aren't, Steelers and Bengals, so we can throw them out of the equation very quickly. Right. And I, I think Cleveland has the best roster. The thing, though, I think Baltimore, Baltimore knows what it is. They are a running team that wants to run and defend. And I think when you have that identity, I think you're better off. I, I, Cleveland is, 
Cleveland in that Baltimore game, I thought, all right, they're going to start getting getting things going. They got Nick Chubb running the football. They spread the ball around. If teams take away OBJ, they can't do that forever because they're going to have to readjust and he'll start getting his. And then came Monday night. And I do think Monday night, some of it is Frisco is just that good. But they look like a train wreck offense. It was awful. It really was. You start, I think there's starting to be a little doubt creeping in about Baker Mayfield in a lot of ways. Yeah. Can he make plays? Can he make good decisions? Can he do the right things? Well, I think there's also some questioning of the coaching staff going on inside I, that I, locker room. I think there's that. I mean, Odell Beckham had his worst two-game stretch in his career. Four catches over the last two games. You Four catches. You can't start the game with trick plays and be a legit team. Like, I, no I legit teams do that. No, you're right. That's something that losing teams that are grasping I, for straws try. No, I, 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 an, an old coach back in the day, Jerry Claiborne, he, he would always say, if I have to go to my gadget plays, it tells me that I'm not as good as you are. And a lot of times, yeah, you have to do it when you're not as good as the other team. But you're going to do it on first down? Right, exactly. I, I think that's a big thing. That, that's the thing for me. I, again, if you were to tell me which roster would I like, I want the Browns roster. Now, I also think the Browns... And, and their GM, John Dorsey, it wouldn't shock me to watch them go out and get Trent Williams by the trade deadline. They need an offensive line. Well, they yeah. need a couple offensive linemen. Something the Bengals should probably do. But yeah, I, nice. I, uh, I think he will, he will get that part fixed. The question is, will they be so far behind at that point that, well, that it'll be hard to catch up? And that's now, I will say, the now, I will say this, the schedule gets a little bit easier for Cleveland as, as, as you go along. I mean, they could go through this stretch and come out of it sitting at uh, – uh, three and five, three and six, three and six, and still win six of their last seven games. Yeah, I agree with that. But man, it'd be weird to be talking about the best team in the AFC North is three and six. Well, last year, don't forget, Baltimore was sitting with a sub five hundred record, made the change to, to Lamar, and you know it seemed like a gimmick, and I still think it is. I still don't know how long term you can continue to run your quarterback as much as they do. But that they they decided that's their identity, and they built around it. They went and got Mark Ingram. I mean, they they, they drafted a wide receiver to help Lamar out in Hollywood Brown. They they did some things to build around that guy. So if you're at, the best team to me, I guess is the Ravens. I don't think they're the best roster, but I think they're the best team because they know what they are. I think that's right. And the funny thing is, both of these teams get inconsistent results. But the way you described them is correct. The Ravens are kind of consistent in what they do. They're just limited, right. which means some some days that works and some days it's too much. You know, other teams with the, that are more explosive are able to exploit that. Um, and on the flip side, you've got the Browns who are just mercurial. One week they're they look great. The next week they look like they did on Monday Night Football right. this past week, and and they're an embarrassment to the city. So. Uh, just a weird year for the AFC North, and uh, from a Bengals perspective, it doesn't matter at all. But no, right. if I was a fan of one of those two teams, man, I'd be pulling my hair out right now watching them each week. Cleveland's the one that's it's just it's got too much talent to be doing this crap. It's just got way too much. Yeah, and they do have serious issues on that offensive line. They're they're a step above the Bengals, but not a not not a, not a lot, not two. Yeah. All right, Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey is in hot water after he tweeted in support of a pro-democracy protest movement in Hong Kong, putting him and the organization in the middle of a major controversy. On Monday, Adam Silver defended Morey, saying players and team execs have the right to free speech. Chinese partners have responded by cutting ties to the Rockets with sponsors yanking money and Chinese television outlets saying they would no longer air the team's games. What do you make of the international crisis caused by Rockets GM Daryl Morey's tweet? To hell with China. I mean, honestly. I, the, the the best part is is that is that Adam Silver had to defend Daryl Morey for free speech. I'm sorry, what country do we live in? Uh, America. Do we have free speech? I thought so. Okay, so you you can you can as the NBA also, and I think they did this, and I think it's a little weak need of saying his views are not the views of the NBA. 
because they're obviously trying to, they've got what $1.5 billion tied up in, in China in revenue. That's so, the issue so there's here. a business move here. But you know what? If that's the way they want to play the game, to hell with you. I, China is evil, dude. They are evil. Evil. They're trying to repress the people in Hong Kong. They're evil. And that's the interesting part about this because. So Daryl Morey, as an American citizen, has decided. He doesn't like it. I want to support the Hong Kong protesters. You don't have to agree with it, Rick Broering, Jim Smith, Sally Johnson, Susie Jones. That's fine. That's your right as well as an American to not agree with it. In this case, the NBA doesn't have to say they agree with Daryl Morey's comments, but hey, he's an American. He's allowed to speak freely. Yay us! Well, the interesting thing about this is if Daryl Morey speaks in protest against Donald Trump, he's fine. Like, no one cares right. at all. Right. So, I mean, it, it's... Donald Trump would care because he'd, come, he'd clap back at him. But. Well, sure, and everybody on that side of the aisle. But in terms of the NBA and the way it's handled itself, they have been very progressive and very left-leaning in the way they handle a lot of these things and very open to people speaking their minds and, and supporting bill. that. And that's the issue here because Steve Kerr didn't, denied the opportunity to comment on the situation. And part of it, I kind of agree with him. He said, look... I like to comment on things I know about and I'm well yeah, good well versed on. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just not. I'm trying to learn about. And Daryl Morey may well be. This may be. This may. This may cut right to his core as an American. Exactly. I I was a little surprised though when you kind of know that what Hong Kong is fighting for is, I mean, basically normal human right. decency. Right. I mean, it's not. It's surprising, a little bit surprising to me that the NBA didn't come out a little bit more strongly with Maury, and I think that's where you see the money just playing a huge no factor doubt. here. They're scared to death of losing those Chinese dollars, and they know how crazy the the Chinese government and, and everyone else involved with I can't remember who, can who had this. I wish I could remember where I read it. I read it this morning. Um I, I can't attribute to who, who said this, but the, the comment was there are more NBA fans in China than there are people in the United States. And I, I, I don't know if I take that as a statement of fact, but it was an interesting comment to read because it makes you go, whoa. Here's the thing. You could tell me any fact about how many people there are in China, and I would believe it just because I, like, right. whenever, whenever people talk about how many people there are in China, it just seems so overwhelming to me. Like, I can't grasp that right, math in my head. Right. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, I, but I go back to, again, Daryl Morey has a right to free speech, um, and he exercised that right, and that's too bad for you, China. Yeah, I think, though, you've seen this in the past where China gets all worked up about things and then kind of backs off and just like, well, whatever. Actually, we still like money and yes. entertainment and everything else. Yes. I think this will all blow over, and the NBA really has nothing to worry about, which is why I'm a little surprised that they seem so concerned Agreed. about this, unless they're just honestly worried about being like, thrown in jail or their players getting having trouble getting back to America because they're playing all these exhibition games and they just had a fan event canceled today that was supposed to be in, in China. So, I mean, a lot of nonsense going on with this. I don't think it's a big deal at the end of the day. It's just weird to me how the NBA has kind of been tiptoeing around it. Follow the dollar signs, my friend. That's all it is. And then my favorite story. This, uh, from is, this, this is my week. favorite, too. Snoop Dogg is saying Kansas officials should not have been surprised by his controversial performance at last week's Late Night at the Fog. If you didn't see it, his 35-minute show included unfiltered lyrics and pole dancers. He also shot fake $100 bills into the crowd and the Kansas bench with money guns. <laughs> by the way, if you didn't know, Kansas just got nailed by the NCAA yes. uh, about two weeks yes, ago. Yes, I, I do know that, and I think the listeners do, but yes. Uh, Kansas Athletic Director Jeff Long was quick to apologize after the performance but snoop dogg spoke out against that apology on tuesday quote the audience enjoyed that blank, blank snoop dogg said i don't know what the blank they talking about 
Snoop was asked about being told to leave after the performance, and he denied it. That's a blanking, blanking lie. I had the time of my life. I enjoyed myself, hung out with the basketball teams. I think it was more the publicity of what I did. They had to cover it up. And I respect them, and I wasn't going to put no smut on their name and say they did anything wrong because they invited me to come do what I do. And when you pay for Snoop Dogg, you going to get Snoop Dogg. Do you think the Snoop Dogg performance was a good look or a bad look for the Kansas Jayhawks basketball program, Skinny? What it shows me is how clueless they are. They're clueless on, on how their basketball program is being run, and you didn't know what Snoop Dogg's performance was going to be like? I mean, this is this is the definition of lack of institutional control. control. Exactly. This is where you should get the death penalty. Because here's the here's the real this, question. This, this is Jeff. As God is my witness, I thought it was a Peanuts character that was going to come in and do a show. The kids would love him. Snoop Dogg, right? Snoopy Dogg. Well, no, my friend. You, yeah, if you pay for Snoop Dogg, you gonna get Snoop Dogg. What is going? First of all, you cannot have in the current NCAA climate. What has gone on with schools, including <laughs> your own recently, the basketball programs at least? You cannot have stripper poles and money guns and say, we didn't know this was going to happen and apologize for it. If you're going to do this, which I'm fine with, by the way, I thought it was hysterical. I loved it. But if you're going to do this, you have to come Well, out. the only thing is you do have young kids that come to that and, and maybe didn't know Snoop Dogg was performing. Yeah, right? it's probably not the best look for families. Yes. It, it was very uncomfortable. And I'm going to yeah. get that to that in a second. But if you are going to do this, you have to own it. And the next day, go double birds the NCAA, say, we've lawyered up, come and get us, we're ready for you. You can't apologize and act like you didn't know what this was going to be when you had stripper poles with dancers and money guns what, shooting what, Snoop Dogg what, hundreds into your students. What they set those players up for? Oh, I don't know. I guess it's part of the show. Just, Lucy and Linus, I think, are going to dance around those with the Snoopy Dogg guy. The other part of this that makes them so clueless, which you said it perfect, they are clueless for this. Is who was Snoop Dogg there for? To, to, yeah, that's to a, eighteen to twenty-two year old kids. He's the goofy uncle who hosts game shows. Like Snoop Dogg will always be cool. Don't yes. get it twisted. But but I'm talking about the little, the younger kid. I mean, like if you came as a mom and dad and brought your ten year old because you want to see the Kansas basketball team roll out that night. Well, sure, you needed to let. Uh, that, that's a whole other thing. But I'm just saying for the basketball players and the recruits, none of them thought that was cool to listen to Snoop right. Dogg. They don't know his songs. Those are from when I was a kid. Yeah, I, think they, I, think, I think they do. Don't you think Skinny, they do? Did you see the players? Yeah, they no, were not right. enjoying that yeah. show. It was a little uncomfortable. I mean, he had to play a couple of the radio hits that they remember their parents listening to when they grew up. But other than that, they didn't know what he was singing. And they were shocked by all the N-words and MFs that were coming out of his mouth. Quite honestly, it looked uncomfortable for everybody involved. It was just but an I, incredible night. Yeah, I, I go back to you. You didn't know what you're signing up for here? Again... If you do that, you have to own it. You cannot apologize for having Snoop Dogg. When you pay for Snoop Dogg, you're you going to get, get Snoop Dogg. Dogg. You're going to get Snoop Dogg. I Sipping on gin and juice, my friend. Laid back. Cali style. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap up the <laughs> That's exactly it. Any. No question. I don't even have a rant after that. I'll let Snoop Dogg do it for me. All right. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Popery edition presented by Joseph Chevrolet. <laughs>